Welcome to In Your Lane Podcast with Richard Lane, where faith and culture intersect. We discuss a myriad of topics on this tour, In Your Lane. We'll ride along and talk about everyday events that affect our society, culture, and our daily lives. From time to time, we will make some pit stops and pick up some guests that we call passengers who will join us from all walks on this journey. There'll be faith leaders from all denominations, business leaders, politicians, and everyday people just like you and I. We're trying to navigate this cruise that we call life. So welcome, sit back, buckle up, and let's roll in your lane. And I want to welcome you to today's show. Uh, you know, it was, I'm not even going to deal with my, my other opening that I had already. Uh, we tried to start this thing and uh, it didn't work out too terribly good. So the devil is a liar. Uh, as my friend Lorna says, God is good and technology is not. So we will just get right into it. Uh, today's title of the show yeah, I got a title for the show today. Uh, let me go back to my notes. There are they. It is History Had Its Eye on Us. History Had Its Eye on Us. And I want to apologize for no video uh, today, but we do have some audio today, and this will be on the audio podcast as well. I met today's guest probably about 10 years ago, maybe 11 or 12 years ago now. Um, I want to say back in 2009 at the first Congress, Black Catholic Congress that I attended in Buffalo, New York. Uh, this young lady is just a wonderful, fabulous, beautiful woman of God, a wonderful Catholic woman, um, just a, a spirit-filled woman who is always looking to continue to be and give a witness of God and his goodness to so many others. And I want to introduce to you my dear friend, my sister in Christ, the director of the Office of Black Catholics for the Archdiocese of Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome Lorna DeRosis to our pot to In Your Lane. How are you today? I am doing well. Thanks for Good. The devil is a liar. I got to figure out who the patron saint is for uh, Internet stuff, because it seems like we're having a little Internet uh, problems. But do you know that there's a, a young man who is about to be canonized from Spain by the name of Carlos? He was about 12, 13 years old. Yes. Uh, yeah. A young teenager who was um, very gifted in regards to technology and programming. I did see that article a couple of days ago. I think we need to start praying for his intercession for uh, I know uh, it. for connection issue. And look, the connection is doing much better now. So thank you, blessed Carlo. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That, that there you go, <laughs> Lorna. Let me get in let, before we get into our discussion. I got I got to get into what we just. Uh, you know, I got to give uh, Shammy. Uh, I got to give Shamrock some love. So, you know, when I met you, I, I fell in love with you. Just a wonderful woman of God. And anybody that knows you knows that you had uh, a wonderful service dog named Shamrock. And uh, I understand yes. that Shamrock went to heaven a few years ago. Sham is no longer with us. She's crossed the Rainbow Bridge. 
Um, Sham was my first guide dog. She's the dog that taught me that I could do this thing, wow. being a guide dog handler. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, you know, God, it's amazing because I always tell people that, you know, being a guide dog, that's its own ministry. These dogs are wonderful and um, it's it's a bond of love and trust. Mm-hmm. And it teaches us, it teaches you so much about, you know, if you can love and trust a dog, um, how much more can we love and trust Jesus? Amen. Very true. And for those that don't know you, I'd like to uh, let our listeners know that you have a, uh, that you have a struggle or a, I don't like calling it uh, an issue. Oh, I like no, to call it no- an opportunity uh, of grace that you, uh, you have lost your sight. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. I'm, I'm blind. Um, I have always been visually impaired since birth, Mm -hmm. but along the way I lost my sight. Um, but God has been so gracious and merciful to me in that I have had the opportunity to have people in my life who were on my team and that they helped me to learn how to be a blind woman because it is a skill Mm -hmm. and they have encouraged me. And, you know, every now and then I trip up and I fall and I cry and I have my moment and they're there for me and they support me. And I've just been so grateful for them in my life. You know, one of the things that I've always said, and I, I, I think that you would be able to back me up on this, is that even though you might be blind, even though you might not have sight, that still does not mean that you don't have vision. Amen. Um, amen. Um, you know, I walk by faith and not by sight, yes. but I have to tell you, my vision, my vision is a gift from the Lord yes. and what he has given me. I have accomplished so much because of him and through him, um, that I don't, you know, a lot of people are like, well, would you like to have your vision back and your sight, your physical sight back? And I'm like, you know, um, part of the, my, Part of my time, I would say, yeah, it would be great. It would be much more convenient. However, I am so thankful that in my life, he has allowed me to be who I am, allowed me to do what I do. And it's been such a privilege and I'm so thankful for it. So where I am now, I, you know what? No matter what, I say thank you, Lord. Amen. That's what we have to do. We have to continue to say thank you, Lord, for the struggles that he gives us because you know, I always say that mm-hmm. a an mm-hmm. obstacle is only a stepping stone for God. I'll say that again for the for the cheap seats out there. An obstacle is only a stepping mm-hmm. stone mm-hmm. for those of us who trust in the for Lord. For the folks in the back. Amen. And, you know, there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start talking about the bu- the. Uh, oh, I can't. Forgot you're not a but you're not in Buffalo. What? Uh, Boston. So those uh, New England Patriot fans. Oh God, you guys are in mourning now, aren't you? Oh no 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 no! Uh, actually, I'm not a Patriots fan, so I'm, oh, good. I'm good. Good. I'm I'm totally good. I'm fine. Um, I'm that person that I show up. I'm I'm a pink hat fan. Is that everybody's having a great time? Where's the party? I'm there. But if you're asking me to, <laughs> but if you're asking me to to talk to you about the history of the Patriots, who's on the roster? Uh, I don't know. 
Okay, good. As long as you're not a Patriots fan, we're good. We're good. Uh, lo- oh, you know, listen. I, I, just, no. I don't like the Patriots, but I hate the Cowboys. Anybody that knows me knows that I hate the Cowboys <laughs> with a passion. So I will never – I can honestly put say this – uh, no, I won't. I won't say I'll never have a Cowboys fan on here because I do have some friends that are Cowboys fans, but they're no, going to get. I, I was going to say you. You just never know. Yeah, they're going to get the wrath of God from me, but that's okay. That's okay. Anyway, we didn't, <laughs> I didn't have you on here to talk about. It. But you have a new guide dog, a new service dog, and her name is Aster. Yeah, is correct. Aster. Yeah, Aster, the guide dog. Um, Aster, like the flower, not the uh, rich family or Astoria, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a, she's a black lab, and mm-hmm. I've had her for about two years. She's about four years old, and uh, she's another great girl, and I'm so thankful to God I have such a I've, – I've been so blessed. She's my third dog, and I will say these guys have just been wonderful um, working dogs, and um, I would say each dog in her own way has been a gift Amen. That is so wonderful. So please give her my love and tell her that I look forward to hugging and playing with her and uh, give your better half my uh, my regards as well. <laughs> oh, I will. Definitely. Well, he sends his hellos, too. Thank you. <laughs> so and he's I, gonna, he says he's going to listen. So there you are. <laughs> OK, good. Yeah. I, he comes after both after you and both the dogs. <laughs> That's how much I love him. So, um, Lorna, let me ask uh, you, let's start out with, you know, there's been a lot of things going on in our nation since uh, COVID-19 and especially in particular since mm-hmm. May 25th, 2020, when uh, mm. the death of the tragic death and murder of one George Floyd our nation has basically been mm-hmm. turned upside down since his tragic death. Mm. We've been forced to deal mm. with uh, the ugly reality of racism that has existed in this nation for 401 years, but uh, it confronts us again, mm. and it has boiled over in the last month or so like a powder keg. Um, you know, we saw some issues in 1996 with the with the beating of mm. Rodney King. We have gone through this with Freddie Gray, with Eric Garner, the first I Can't Breathe. We went through this mm-hmm. with Trayvon Martin, Tamir mm-hmm. Rice, Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. Ahmaud Arbery, uh, and so many other mm-hmm. names that we have added mm-hmm. to this unfortunate list. Mm-hmm. Um but now uh, mm-hmm. it seems that it is all just boiling over and gotten to a boiling point uh, in our nation. And we have become a nation that is divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what what are some of your thoughts and what is going on in uh, in in Boston in that area as well, as far as this is concerned? You know, I think my thoughts, I think they're so much um, that goes through my mind when I think about what is happening in this country today. Um, When I see in particular here in Boston, uh, I think the response 
um, has been um, overwhelmingly, um, I would say, I'm just thinking about what people have been doing. There have been many vigils, there have been protests. Um, I have seen clergy gather together to pray, to protest, to talk about what can be done. Various um, organizations have sponsored those difficult, courageous conversations um, to talk about what can happen in regards to racism in this country. Cardinal Sean uh, celebrated a mass to pray for um, racial healing and justice uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, he had an amazing homily. I will send you a link to that if you would like after we're done. Um, he also put forth a wonderful statement in regards to who we are as Catholics and how this issue in regards to racism is a pro-life issue and it needs to be addressed as such. Let me let, 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 let's mm -hmm. take that right there real quick. Let's take that right mm -hmm. there. That's one mm -hmm. of the things that has really bothered me um, over the many years that I've been Catholic is People start talking about pro-life, mm -hmm. and anybody knows that knows me knows that mm -hmm. I don't mince my words, and I'm not going to here. It seems to me, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure I get this mm -hmm. correct, it seems to me that mm -hmm. the Catholic Church in this nation, that most of the pro-life Catholics in this nation are only anti-abortion. I'll say that again. It seems to me that most of the Catholics, pro-life Catholics in this nation appear to me to only be anti-abortion because the only time that I see them is when I am invited into, I, I preached in front of the White House, the Obama White House many years ago myself and Dr. Alan Keyes. Uh, I have preached on the mm -hmm. United on the steps of the United States Supreme mm -hmm. Court standing up for life for pro-life with Father mm -hmm. Frank Pavone and mm -hmm. with several of his mm -hmm. pro-life people as well. I have marched in the West Coast mm -hmm. March for Life with my dear brother mm -hmm. in Christ Reverend Walter Hoy and his his wife Lori mm -hmm. Hoy. I've marched with mm -hmm with Bishop Barber, the Bishop of Oakland, California. I've marched with Bishop, Bishop Cordelione, the Archbishop of San Francisco. Again, these are pro-life. And the thing that bothers me is it's almost like they're a one-hit wonder, uh, is that all they care about is abortion and trying to get rid or trying to uh, stop abortion. That's it. It seems like every time you bring up a problem in the black community, it's always because of abortion. Well, why is it that? Well, it's because of abortion. Why do why are black people majority Democrats because of abortion? Why do black people do that? It's because of abortion. I'm sick and tired of that. I really am. I'm sick and tired of that. And if you're pro-life, I thought it means not only from the womb to the tomb, but that period in in between. Does that make sense, Lorna, to you? It makes sense to me because when I'm thinking about when you're speaking to someone uh, who you want to share what the church teaches in regards to life, 
and they bring up the fact that, oh, how come? And, you know, people will throw this back at you as to why do you only pay attention to abortion? Mm -hmm. But and and that's a valid criticism. Um, I think it's important for us to really look at what does that mean to be pro-life? This is a time to re-examine this. I know that there was a generation who saw that um, the, unborn, the unborn were the truly most vulnerable. However, that unborn child will who is born, what kind of a society is he or she being born into? Hello, that is church. a pro-life issue. Hello. That child who is adorable and cuddly at the age of two, at the age of four, one day will grow up to be a young man of 15 or 16 who, walking down the street, may be seen as a threat. That is a pro-life issue. Only because of, the, that only young because man of his color. Who, right, right. That young man, being your average teenager, will do something stupid. Um, and for someone else will be punished in one particular way Mm -hmm. but that young man will be treated very differently and that will basically sentence him to a life that may be behind bars Um, and he may be imprisoned in other ways as well now obviously i'm giving you an extreme example but I think it's important for us to really examine what does it mean to be pro-life. It is important for us to think about our, because I, you know, I have young children in my family, and I think about what their lives are going to be like. What are they going to be facing? Um, and I think all of us should be looking at that. What are young children of color going to be facing growing up? in this country? What have they been facing growing up in this country? Um, How do we help them to thrive and to be able to move forward, to succeed? Because that is really pro-life issues. How do we help their families so that their families can help them? Right. That's a pro-life issue. Um, How do we help mothers, single mothers? I know that we say that the family is... uh, the bedrock of society. But if we don't support, we don't have um, things to assist families. If we don't look at programs to help families to truly be stable, then they cannot be the bedrock of society. Well, let me I, I mean, you, that's let me, let what me, I see. Let me throw this in there, Lorna. I mean, the, the black mm-hmm. family, let's be, let's be realistic here. The average mm-hmm. black family, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I am off base, but and correct me if I'm wrong, but the average black family doesn't look like the Brady Bunch. Uh, the average black family does not look like the Huxtables uh, from back in the day. The average black family, you know, unfortunately even doesn't look like the, the family from good times back in, or the Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the average black family consists of the the bedrock being the mother raising mm-hmm. three and four children from possibly mm-hmm. two or three different fathers uh perhaps mm-hmm. she is divorced or perhaps she lives with uh with a uh with her with with another man or whatever you know mm-hmm. i the 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 black family in this nation does not is not emblematic of Jesus Mary and Joseph 
And I really think that the church needs to recognize that. Yes, I agree. Um, and I think we need to recognize the societal factors that um, do not help the black family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there have been, for example, you know, back in the 50s, the, the 60s, when you're looking at the war on poverty, um, you know, people were punished if they were in a um, traditional nuclear family, mother and a father. Yes. So that was not a way to support the family. There are other societal pressures that did not, that do not support, uh, um, you know, two parents who want to support their children, um, you know, especially if they're low income, um, especially if they are wanting to raise a family, it just doesn't lend itself to helping them to be stable. Um, looking back on the family in the United States, a black family in the United States, historically, there has always been uh, just a, always separation of the family. Um, I don't think that the family has never has ever had the opportunity to truly thrive. Now, um, I think the strength within the African diaspora is kinship ties. So even though there isn't a quote-unquote traditional family structure as a particular culture would see it, but those kinship ties, I think, really make up for the lack of a nuclear family as one would define it. And we're talking so with, when we're I talking say kinship ties, I'm thinking of Lorna DeRosas, who is the director of the Office of Black Catholics in the Archdiocese of Boston, Massachusetts. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, sis. No, that's okay. Yeah. So those kinship ties, your aunts, your uncles, um, close friends, uh, those really, I think, make a difference in families. And um, I think those are things that, okay, you may not be able to have a, a nuclear family, but let's support those kinship ties because it truly does take a village to raise children. Yes. Um, and I think by nature and by culture, um, I think African diaspora cultures tend to be more communitarian than Western cultures. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the African-American culture and various other cultures, from Caribbean, um, from Africa, when you're talking to folks, you will know that there is more of a dependence on community The individual is more tied to the community. You are yourself as you relate to and within the community. So it's not like it's me, myself, and I. I am am an island. Um, This uh, hyper-individualistic culture that you may run into in other societies. Um, And I think that that's a strength. In the face of adversity, this has been a true strength. I agree with you. You know, it, it brings me back to think I had a comp, a, a, a comment made to me a couple of weeks ago. Somebody asked me, you know, I think it's they said, and I quote unquote, I think it's kind of racist for people to vote for a man just because of the color of his skin. Um, and they were referring to the the election of Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. really gives me, it takes me back to what you were saying. You know, the reason why 
we all have that kinship in the diaspora, if you will. Uh, you know, it's like you, I call you my sister. I think of you as my sister. I think of Absolutely. of of Robert as my brother. You know, mm-hmm. we have people that we grew up with that we call cousins, you know, that because they were play cousins, play cousins. Yes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I have plenty of aunts that are not my mother's blood sister, but they are aunts and mm-hmm. uncles. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I was on I was on a, a podcast right. with uh, Joe Lewis, yeah. the son of the great Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber. And Joe Lewis was an uncle to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he and my father mm-hmm. were best friends. Sammy Davis mm-hmm. Jr. was an uncle to me. And if you right. really go back to the mm-hmm. etymology of all right. of this, right. it goes back to when we were brought to this land 401 years ago. And the slave masters purposely split up that quote unquote nuclear family as they have tried to define oh, yeah. it now. They have done that. Number one, because they wanted to continue to treat us, those of us from of mm-hmm. African descent, they wanted to dehumanize us. They wanted to mm-hmm. take away, strip us of our dignity. They wanted to, they mm-hmm. treated dogs better than they treated their African slaves at many times. And so that's why you would have the husband and the wife split up. That's why they mm-hmm. would literally go ahead and rape the wives and daughters in front of the husbands and sons to really just break them down mentally. They would literally mm-hmm. separate the family and send the family to one area and the family to the another area. And they would even send the children to be raised uh, or, you know, young children, get another place. Exactly. Young children, young women and young boys would mm-hmm. be uh, sold for more because the boys would grow up to be hardworking men. And these girls would be able to be produce more children uh, and, and, and right. more and, and, and more more money. For them, and so that's again why mm-hmm. these these white enslavers would rape these women over and over and over again, so that they would have children. I say all of that to say this, in the fact that when these children were sent to different places, they were they were raised by the village. They were raised by surrogate mothers and surrogate fathers. They were raised by surrogate siblings. And so that has been that tradition, that tradition, I dare I say, capital T, has been handed down in the African-American community for 400 years because we have been systemically placed in positions in, in our journey, in our, in our destiny to be able to overcome all of these things. And of course, why wouldn't? Because Barack Obama is one of us. He came from one of us. He looks like one of Mm -hmm. us. So my Mm -hmm. response is Mm -hmm. that's the majority of why people would trust him more than they would trust a Hillary Clinton or they would trust a Donald Trump because he understands where we come from. He's one of us. Amen. I, I have to tell you, uh, I have to tell you a story. Um, In high school, I was taking um, civics. Um, so I must have been in the 10th grade and 
I remember that we were having a discussion in class and the teacher said, okay, let's talk. So how many of you believe that one day you can become the president of the United <laughs> States? Now, this was many moons ago. And so, you know, the salad days when the salad was fresh. <laughs> uh -huh. And the thing, you know, and I remember sitting there going, hmm, I don't know. Mm, uh, we'll see. So then he goes, okay, you guys, I see something interesting here. I want you guys to look around. Look around. Well, I can't see that far. So so-and-so didn't raise her hand. So-and-so didn't raise his hand. So I didn't raise my hand either. So, okay. So what's, what's the verdict here? Then he said, does anyone notice that none of the, uh, I think he said black and Latino kids, none of the black and Latino kids raised their hands. Mm -hmm. And then like, I was like, whoa. And I think there was like this feeling of just absolute stunned silence. Like, whoa, that didn't just happen. And he mm -hmm. goes, why is that? And we had a good discussion about it. I don't remember the rest of the discussion, but that memory um, came back to me mm -hmm. uh, in 2008, November, when he won. Mm. Because I thought, wow, in my lifetime, I didn't think I would ever live to see the day that a black man would be elected as president. I and that was a joy for me. Mm -hmm. But also, I, I, I felt sad, too, because I'm like, Lord, he's going to have a hard way to go. The first one who is the, tail, the, the trailblazer, the road is hard. Yes. There's a lot, a lot of pitfalls. And that was really how I, that's how, what I, that was my reaction. Yeah, and I really think, and and the the main criticism, um, and I, I criticize President Obama for this for his pro life stance. Mm -hmm. um, again, yes. I'm, I'm a staunch pro lifer. Uh, Absolutely, but uh, and I I always say that I I praise God and I cried tears of joy on this on January uh, January nineteenth two thousand eight when he was mm -hmm. uh, sworn in. No, no two thousand nine. 2009. Two th um, th thank you. 2009, <laughs> when he was sworn in as the 44th president mm -hmm. of the United States. And then I cried tears mm -hmm. of sadness on January 20th, 2009, when he signed in the continued legislation for uh, the continued murder of, of innocent yes. unborn babies. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and so it Live seems unborn. like so many people... All they want to do is just judge his legacy off of off of that. And I understand that that's a uh, that that is a that that's a um, that that's that's a, an atrocity. That's an atrocity. But when you continue to blame everything uh, of, of African-Americans on just one particular topic, uh, one particular issue, that really bothers me. And I wonder you know, why people don't continue to open their eyes under this current administration as well. That's a, that's a valid point, but I think there's an opportunity for education because there's a generation coming up that may be wondering and pondering on this question in regards to what is pro-life. And I feel that we have a chance to share with them pro-life 
is truly from womb to tomb and also in the middle. And this is what it can look like in the middle. Will you stand with us? I'm not saying to give up on the generation now, but right. the generation coming up, I, I think, I really think that, you know, yeah, I think there is a, a generation, the, the next two generations, they are very um, socially conscious and that's good. But I think helping them to understand how these issues tie into our faith yeah, yeah. is essential. Yeah. Because if you do not tie these particular issues to your faith, it's meaningless. But that has to start from the top down, Lorna. It has to stop from the it start does. from the top down. And I believe that our Holy Father is doing that. But then there are so mm-hmm. many that that criticize the Holy Father. You know, it, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny mm-hmm. when I hear these people. Uh, when I hear the people, they they criticize. They they come they 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 they're upset when they hear us criticizing the forty five. Okay, they're mm-hmm. upset when they hear us criticizing the pres this current president of the United States. But yet they can sit up there and criticize the Holy Father, the leader of our, our of our Catholic faith. You can't. Ha- it's not a both. You can't have it both ways. You can't do it. He's our shepherd. Exactly. He's our shepherd. He's He's the one that the Holy Spirit put in charge. So why can't you, why can't you listen to him? Why can't we do that? Go ahead. But you know, and the, and the beauty of our church is that the Holy Spirit uses our, the popes, um, the, you know, they're human beings Mm -hmm. yet the Holy Spirit they're in service to God and the Holy Spirit inspires them. Um, and if you look at the, the popes like, you know, Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, John Paul II, Pope Paul VI, I mean, God has done so much through them. Yes. Um, when we look at Vatican II and you read the documents, my goodness, um, people will complain about, uh, you know, the Vatican II and, you know, how it has uh the demise of the church but yet if you look closely at these documents there's a beauty yes. we're being called to evangelize yes. we're being called to share the good news in the world exactly um i think that that message uh, is important because sharing the good news of the world is to say my point of view of many things that are happening in the world are through the eyes of what christ calls us to be and do Mm-hmm. And this is what the church teaches about these particular things. But what about um, our give bishops? Give to Caesar what, what belongs our to bishops? Caesar and give what, to God what belongs to God. But what about our bishops, Lorna, that are not? That's my issue is our bishops, the majority of our bishops are not standing up for us. The majority of our bishops are not standing up for life for all life. They're not standing up and saying the death of George Floyd is wrong. They're not standing up and saying that we have a systemic problem with uh with our criminal justice system. It seems like the, you know, we all have peace and justice ministries, but we all have to do more. We all have to do more. And it just seems like our church is not doing well, enough. We are- I think we all do have, we, we all do need to do more. We need to, yes, we need to pray. 
Um, and we need to have some self-reflection. I think that's an important piece. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think that folks need to engage in learning about the history of this country, mm -hmm. not the not what you learned in high school. Exactly. Because I will say that I was blessed in that I had excellent teachers who inspired me to really be interested in the history of the U.S. I also had a family who were very engaged in wanting me to know about the history of this country you because didn't learn they about the had Tuskegee experiment in history class no, in the United States. You, you, <laughs> no, no, you don't. But you know, you hear you hear it from folks in the neighborhood. Yeah. I, you know, there were folks in the neighborhood who would tell you about these things. Yeah, um, you would hear it from folks who would talk to you, um, who would tell you these things. Um, you hear about the history. It's you know. The amazing thing that I think people don't know or perhaps don't really appreciate is that the oral history that is passed on Amen. is very important yes. to getting to know the black community in this country. Um, the um, I, I love to go to um, the U.S. archives. Um, they have um, archives of former slaves from like back in the 30s. The recordings are a bit scratchy, but listen to what they're saying. They may not be as explicit because a lot of the times the person who was recording them was white. So mm -hmm. you know that they were being very careful as to what they were saying. Mm -hmm. But if you listen carefully as to what they were saying, that life was hard. Yes. They suffered. Yes. And yet, despite what they went through, there was the a sense of resiliency, a sense of strength, and a sense of courage that you hear in these recordings. So, you know, Library of Congress, shout out to them. I recommend anyone, if you can, go online, um, listen to these recordings. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it will be an education. Um, and I say this for all of us as Catholics. Um, but then the other piece of this is to listen. Listen actively and attentively. And that means listening to someone's experience that is outside of what you know yes. or what you think you may know. Yes. Yes. That's very because true. some go ahead. Um, because sometimes someone shares their experience and it's like, oh, oh there's Lorna again with one of her stories. Oh Lord. Mm -hmm. But Okay, you just said, oh, there's one of Lorna's one of the stories. Yeah, okay, I'm probably going to be that little old lady one day that's always got a story for everything. That's <laughs> true. But what I may be sharing with you, it's important to me. It happened. Exactly. I have had to pray through it and about it. Yeah. Um, and I may have, you know, through the grace of God, yes. I am still standing and I am, you know, it didn't flatten me, but you know, it happened. Amen. And Amen. I'm just letting you know it happened. And we're made better for it. We are better for it. Absolutely. You know, we I, truly I, are. I want to, I want to back up and I, I made, I just, I want to make sure that I, um, you know, that I let people know I'm not trying to slam the Knights of, I wasn't trying to slam the Knights of Peter Claver. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. And, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to slam them. I just would like to see my brother and sister Knights do more uh, in the church. 
Uh, I would like to see my brother and sister and my brother and sister Knights of Columbus as well. Let me let me jump on that bandwagon, too, because I've met uh, the Supreme Knight, Carl Anderson. I am a fourth degree Knight of, Knight of Columbus. And uh, one of the things that I, I have issue with the Knight of Columbus is that uh, there's not mon- there's not a lot of minority and diversity uh, within that organization. And the reason why a lot of people don't understand the reason why we have the Knights and Ladies of Peter Claver is because the Knights of Columbus would not allow black Catholic men into the organization. Because at one time, the Knights of Columbus yes. was a racist organization. Let me say that again for the cheap seats. At one time in the Catholic Church's history, the Knights of Columbus was a racist organization. And I define that by they would not allow black Catholic men into their organization simply because of the color of their skin. That is, by definition, racist. And so, uh, therefore, black Catholic men, I believe 112 or 115 years ago, decided that they were going to form their own fraternal organization called the Knights and Ladies of St. Peter Claver so that black men, black Catholic men and women had a place to be able to talk about their issues as it related to the Catholic Church. I, I don't think I could add any more to that. So, I mean, those are some of the things that a lot of people have to really understand is, you know, people will say, well, why do you just, why do you, why do you guys call yourself black Catholics? Well, y'all, y'all, y'all were the ones that, that called us that, uh, separated us from not only from 401 years ago when you brought us to this nation, but actually in Genesis chapter nine, verse 27, almost 6,000 years ago. You know, people need to know their their biblical history, the biblical history of it. But, you know, one thing, Lorna, we have really you talked about oral tradition and Mm -hmm. we share a lot with our Jewish brothers and sisters. And I say African-Americans have really shared a lot with our Jewish brothers and sisters because they too understand what enslavement is. They too understand what being discriminated again is, but being discriminated against is for your ethnic group. They understand being tortured. They understand trying to have their entire race wiped off the face of this planet. They understand the importance of oral tradition and it goes back mm-hmm. to the first passover you know mm-hmm. being able and mm-hmm. it goes back to you know they talk about that enslavement they talk about the plagues they talk about how their ancestors overcame and the one thing that i love is in the traditional jewish passover meal is it might be passover of 2020 but they celebrate it like mm-hmm. it's the very first Passover 5,000 years ago by talking about Why is about, this night not like any other night? Amen. Amen. Yes. You know? And I think, you know, we, I think the beauty of being a black Catholic is that we, there's the sense of remembering and celebrating who we are mm-hmm. as Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
bringing our, what we have gone through, bringing our struggles, bringing them to Jesus um, in adoration, in front of the real presence, just, you know, bringing this to Jesus, I think is so essential. Receiving the Eucharist, um, you know, do this in remembrance of me. And it's not just a symbolic thing, but we're receiving Jesus who strengthens us for the journey. Um, and the other beauty of being a Black Catholic, I believe, is that there is a joy when we are being reverent and we are worshiping. Yes. There's a joy that we bring as well. And that we uh, can and that's express. And we can express that You know, joy. despite... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's not performative. It's no. from the heart. It's exactly. from the soul. Yes. You know, we are made to worship God. You know, we are worshiping. It's not, you know, and, and, and I think if someone hasn't had an opportunity to experience going to the mass in the black Catholic tradition, I would encourage that person do go. Um, and I think that that will really touch your heart. Um, and I, and I think that this will be something that will be the beginning of learning about who black Catholics are. Um, the other thing I would say to folks is, um, when you're praying, ask God what you should be doing. Ask God to enlighten your mind, your heart, and your soul mm -hmm. in regards to racial justice. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, and also pray to be open. Because sometimes we forget to pray to be open to particular things as well. And I think that's an important part of our prayer. Lorna DeRosas, the director of the Office of Black Catholics in the Archdiocese of Boston, Massachusetts. I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Before I let you go, uh, I want to pose to you one uh, a question uh -huh. that I have had to uh, so many of my white brothers and sisters, Catholic brothers and sisters, ask me what what can me and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. What can me, a white seventy five year old Catholic woman in Podunk, USA? who doesn't live, who lives with the majority of whites, but I'm not prejudiced. What can I do to help this nation heal right now? What would you say to that? Oh my gosh. Everything begins with prayer. So definitely pray, ask God to direct you. Um, pray that racial healing and racial justice would happen. Ask God to direct you as to what your role can be in your community. Um, if you are a part of a conversation and you hear someone saying something derogatory, um, Speak up. be courageous, be courageous mm -hmm. and say, you know, we are all made in the image and likeness of God. We're all called to love one another when we're looking in, you know, in the Bible, how many times are we called? to love one another. Christ told us that, you know, love God, but love one another as ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we look in first John, you know, to love God and to love God well is to love another. So this is not just an isolated message. Um, and if you are someone that likes to dive deeply and you enjoy reading, there are church documents like open wide our hearts 
which was um, a document put forth by the U.S. bishops. That's the latest document. There are other documents as well. Um, Read. Um, I think if you, there are various documentaries as well that can give you a little bit of of the history of Black Catholics. Um, And those are some things, that's just the beginning. But also learn about, you know, think about the assumptions you may have. Because you know what? Um, There may be some unconscious and conscious biases that you may hold um, that you may need to learn about, well, what's happening in the society? What has happened? Because once you begin to learn, you can share with others. Right. Um, And I think that is a way of standing and being an advocate and being an ally. Amen. Very true. Lorna, thank you so much for your time. It has truly been an honor and a blessing. You know, we could uh, continue this conversation for hours, and I would definitely like to invite you back to come back onto the podcast and back in your lane anytime you are more than welcome to come and join us. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm happy to come back anytime, and God bless your ministry. God bless this podcast, and God bless everyone who is listening and watching. Um, And let us all continue to be united in prayer that we would truly see um, that racial justice would happen in this country. And not only in this country, because other parts of the world see it in different ways, but that's what it is. Amen. So when you see protests in other countries happening, you know, the, you know, folks in Great Britain, if you talk, if you know anybody who lives in the UK, um, they have their history, too. If you're from the Caribbean mm-hmm. and you arrived in the 1950s and now they're sending your grandma back because of some little loophole that wasn't tied up 50 yep. years ago. Yep. Understand and know your history. Very true. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate the privilege of your time to all the listeners. Uh, If you have any comments or suggestions about this show or any other future shows, please shoot them to me in your lane podcast at gmail.com in your lane podcast at gmail.com if you would like to sponsor if you would like to sponsor a an episode or several a series of episodes for in your lane podcast please 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 go to richard lane dot richard lane ministries dot com forward slash donate richard lane ministries dot com forward slash donate Uh, If you would like to help sponsor an episode of In Your Lane podcast or just simply send an email in your lane podcast at gmail.com. Again, I want to say thank you very much to Lorna DeRosas, Director of Office of Black Catholic Ministries in Boston, Massachusetts. I want to thank you again for the privilege of your time. Continue to keep us in your prayers and I will continue to keep you in my prayers. And remember, as always, may the road rise to meet you in your lane. Peace. Peace.